Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime Crime New England. England. Welcome to our second episode. We are so excited to literally just keep doing this. This is so crazy. And the support we've gotten already from episode one, you guys, like, thank you so much. It's It's, been crazy. It's been so kind and almost overwhelming because people have been tagging tagging us and stuff, um, telling us that, oh, I told my friends to follow, and... It's been insane. It's so crazy. I mean, like, just the fact that other people are interested in this kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a cool little community. Yeah. And we're really, truly doing this just for fun. Yeah. So the fact that people are interested and we're not just talking to each other. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. That being said, we are what you could call a novice at <laughs> podcasting. Yeah, we, we just bought the equipment. We just kind of got into it for fun, mm-hmm. so we're in no way experts. I have watched maybe two YouTube videos on how to podcast. <laughs> Definitely looked at all the options that were free for yeah. where to record podcasts. Not going to give away all my secrets, but I don't exactly use high-end equipment to edit the show. Yeah. Um, in my very limited free time. So <laughs> we're just kind of going with it. So we thank you guys for going with it with us. Yeah. And I mean, bear with us because as we get smoother in our podcasting process, it'll also be smoother listening for you guys. So just kind of, we're, we're not experts. So just bear with us because we're really just doing this for fun. And thank you guys for having fun with us. Yeah. We're going to continue that fun with a little game that Katie came up with. (laughs) So we were listening back to episode one and we noticed that Liz and I both (laughs) said the word absolutely so much. So we decided that if you are of drinking age and you do drink alcohol, then we we do a little drinking game. (laughs) Every time we say absolutely Take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> or what me and Katie would do because we're lightweights is take us like a drink of a mixed drink. Yeah. Because if we took a shot every single time we said absolutely, I would say 10 minutes in, we would be sloshed. We'd be blackout. Yeah. <laughs> we said it so much. So much. But you know, it's important that we can laugh at ourselves. So. <laughs> and we're learning. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I see what you did there. It's great. We're going to try our best to not say that word <laughs> ever <As> often, again. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to kind of keep it, <laughs> it's so bad. We're going to try really hard to not say repeat phrases like that. Again, it's again, it's a learning process and we thank you guys. Um, today we have a pretty, it's going to be pretty quick, I would say. Um, it's definitely not light. No. It's pretty fucked up, as these things often are. 
Um, it's some, some cases we do are really hard to find information on. Um, but what I like about us is that we still stick with it. We try our best. I know personally, I was on page nine of Google. Yeah. I was really digging and that says a lot because who the fuck goes past page one? Right. Truly. So we really dig. And when we come up with an idea, like let's do this, we do it. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I mean, there's still a lot of information on the actual case itself. Mm -hmm. And I just, they kind of limited the information out there on the victim of the case, I think to protect the victim and to protect the Mm -hmm. family. But you know, sometimes with cases, they won't release all of the information also because, um, the thing with copycat killers too, is you don't want, you don't want to give them inspiration. So you also want to be kind to the victim's family and, and respect their wishes. If they don't want certain information released about the victim, then the media kind of has to honor that. Yeah. So sometimes it can make it hard to find information on cases, but I I feel like we have we have a good amount just enough to tell the story. Yeah, exactly. And bring enough awareness to tell the story, for, for sure. sure. So, without further ado, we will be telling the case of Daniel Webb. So, today we're going to be talking about Daniel Webb. Now, to clarify, Daniel Webb is the murderer. He is not the victim. The victim's name is Diane Gellenbeck. And we're, of course, going to go into detail about all this, but I wanted to clarify that Daniel, Daniel Webb is the perpetrator, yes. essentially. And like we were saying, very little information about this man. Yeah. He was born in 1961. That's all I can tell you about his age. Don't know the day. Do you know the day? No. No. Who knows? Who cares? He's a jerk. <laughs> I watched a cool video online, and I think it should be noted to give this guy credit. He uh, he calls his account Stories from the Penitentiary. Ooh. And it's this guy, and he has correspondence with hundreds of... Of people in jail. That's so cool. He does crazy stuff. He writes them letters and he gets them back and he reads them on his video. Very cool. That's really interesting. So interesting. And so he, um, you know, he had a letter. He corresponded with Daniel Webb. He did this in February and he said he would post another, but there hasn't been one since, um, about Daniel Webb. He has a ton of stuff with other guys. Definitely check him out. Very, very cool. But... This is where I could get the only information about his childhood was this letter he sent. It was a three-page letter to this guy from Stories from the Penitentiary. Um, This is what we kind of learned. He, Daniel, as a child, played a lot of instruments. He played the drums, the trombone, the bass, the keyboard, and the piano. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Very cool, sir. You murdered someone. Um, His father was a schooled saxophonist, which is interesting. Damn. And in the 40s and 50s, he wrote music, and he read it. He he was a big music guy. Cool. Didn't influence him great, I guess. The other thing that I know about this man is that as a child, he attended an African Baptist Pentecostal church, and he sang in the choir. That's it. That is all we know. I know, and we both, we usually both go through a whole bunch of sources, so and so many. in our multiple sources, I really, I still couldn't find 
any background on him and that'd be something cool to do is like we usually we like to go and explain their background or mm-hmm. give a little more information about them and their background but yeah. we just we were not able to find much on him right and the sad part is we couldn't find a lot on I, anything on the victim either diane gellenbeck there's nothing of course that you know i can make sense for that for her privacy and her family's privacy but there's nothing because we want to shed a good light on her, saying right. what she did and like the truth about her, what she was doing, her life. But there's nothing. There's really not much. I couldn't yeah. even tell you if she had children or a husband or wife. There's nothing. I know. Nothing. That being said, I think now would be a good time to talk about our sources real yes, quick. Yes, I agree. Uh, I got some stuff from the Hartford Current. As did I. Yes, very good yeah. uh, website. Some good stuff. Murderpedia, of course. Of course. Best friend. Yeah, if you guys don't know, Murderpedia is kind of like Wikipedia, but it's for murder and true crime, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot awesome. more specified, and it's, it's so cool. It's such a good resource. It's very cool. Um, I also got something from AP News, which is just a news article about the crime. Anything more from you? you yeah, I, I found an article from the Journal Inquirer. The yeah, and then Murderpedia and the, Hart- the Hartford Courant were both really helpful for me as well. Great articles. But yeah. again, not, not a whole lot of background, which would be very interesting to cover, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Bear with us, guys. It's okay, because the crime itself will give us a lot to cover, because there's a lot to it. A, a lot of sadness. Um, and it's very quick. It's quick. It's a, it's a sad, quick... It's terrible how quickly someone's life can change in just under an hour. Like, insane. So, let's get on with the crime. Katie, would you like to start? Sure. So, at noontime on August 24th, 1989, Daniel Webb kidnapped 37-year-old Diane Gellenbeck. She was a vice president at the Connecticut National Bank. Um, He had kidnapped her from a downtown parking garage where she was headed to an appointment with a real estate agent, kind of like a lunch, Mm -hmm. an appointment over lunch, kind of one of those deals. Yeah, that's one of the only things I could find was that her sister had commented on it. There was no, it was in her appointment book that she had a meeting um, and it was not at the location she was found. So it was very obvious that she wasn't supposed to be where they found her. So it was clear that she had been kidnapped, she had been taken. She wasn't heading to this park where she was found on her own free will yeah that was completely daniel webb Mm -hmm. now like katie said she was a she worked at um the connecticut national bank she was a vp there for Mm -hmm. 16 years so that's pretty that's a long time that means she started when she was like 21 that's a very long time so you know that she was a very well respected employee and dedicated dedicated exactly it's it's very rare that someone stays with the company for that long so (laughs) you know that she Mm -hmm. she was a very good employee and she was vice president absolutely big deal not to mention this is in 1989 women in power we love to see it yeah great doesn't matter (laughs) when 1989 still kind of shifty times and women in power sure so that's great good for her it's sad because she was walking to her uh, you know to her car when a mercury zephyr that's the kind of car never heard of it never want to hear of it again that's ugly (laughs) daniel webb pulled up in his borrowed he was borrowing his girlfriend's car Mm -hmm. a mercury zephyr and he stopped and he at gunpoint pulled diane into the car. I would be terrified. Horrified. He had a gun in her face. 
So what he did was he drove her to a park not too far away. It was called Kenny Park or Keeney. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Keeney, Kenny Park. And there in his car, he forced her to take off her shoes, her pantyhose, and her underwear. And he raped her right there in the car in the... I don't want to say in the middle of this park, but in a public park. Right, and keep in mind, this is around noontime, so this is broad daylight. Absolutely. In August, so I can imagine it would be sunny out. This is this is legitimately broad daylight. For sure. So people, and what we'll find out very shortly, is that people were around. There were witnesses to this. A ton of witnesses. Just terrible stuff. So he tried to rape her. She was so brave. She attempted to escape. Mm -hmm. She ran. She leaped out of the car. Yeah. Um, And then this is where it gets really horrifying. So Gellenbeck jumped out of the car and she tried to run away. But Webb, with his gun, he fired at her and he hit her twice with gunshots. And then as he proceeded to reload the gun, he started driving alongside of her as she was crawling across the ground. So she had two shots in her back. Yes. And she was crawling on the ground, trying to get away. Screaming. Screaming. And you know what she was screaming? I have it right here. Help. Help me. Somebody, please help me. Terrifying. Because like we said, there are people around. People, pedestrians, people walking their dogs. Having a picnic. Picnic. And this park was right by a golf course. Yes. So there are people playing golf, teeing up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And some of these golfers and pedestrians actually testified against Daniel Webb. I mean, a golfer was teeing up or whatever they call it. Right. In golf speak. And he had looked over and seen... This woman crawling away from him, screaming for help as he's slowly driving his car beside her, getting ready to shoot her again. Terrifying. And he does. Three more times. Three more times. So this, this part is kind of disputed, but there is some evidence to suggest that even after being shot three more times, so five times in total, that Gellenbeck was still conscious. Mm. So Daniel Webb then gets out of the car. He gets down to her level. He places the barrel of the gun, quote-unquote, a foot or less from her mouth, and then he pulls the trigger. Yes. So some say that this shot to the head was the fatal shot, so that that Diane was conscious this whole time. Yes, which, to think that she was alive, still getting shot five times, horrifying. To know that she was, or even just the thought of her being alive, as he shot her so close to her face... That they said that there was gunshot residue on her face. Like, that's how close the gun was. And so quickly, that all took place five minutes. Yeah. She was shot six times total, killed. Absolutely terrible and terrifying. It's for insane. People watching nearby, not even, you know, just golfing or walking their dog, hearing all of a sudden six gunshots and turning and looking and watching as this big man puts a gun in somebody's mouth and gives the final blow. Right, after she was screaming. I mean, if if nobody had seen this incident happening, her screaming would have drawn attention to it. I mean, I like, imagine you're taking your children to a park for a day out or something. Oh my gosh. Like, it's deranged. It's absolutely fucked up, truly. There was some luck with this, though, due to the witnesses Mm -hmm. all being there. Somebody was able to jot down the license plate of that Mercury Zephyr, um... Which helped the police, of course, almost immediately um, track down his car because 
I mean, this, of course, like we said, it wasn't his car. It was his girlfriend's car. Um, but they were able to track it down. But you know what? Didn't even matter. Because eventually, not too long after, he turned himself in. Thank fuck. Because who knows what else he could have done. <laughs> right. Now, this is within a couple months of his arrest. Oh, boy. Um, Daniel pulled a Ted Bundy, and <laughs> he tried to fire his legal team. Oh, boy. Um, he called them incompetent in the middle of court, and he also stated, if I'm going to sit in the electric chair, I think I ought to get these... I think I ought to get there on my own stupidity rather than someone else's. And then he went on to represent himself. Mm. Which usually... Um, if you guys know true crime, when someone fires their legal team and goes on to represent themselves, it speaks not only to their ego and how they think of themselves, mm-hmm. it usually does not end well. I would say almost never. Never. Because what <laughs> happened to Daniel Webb after he... Uh, he's a, uh, he, re- he screwed himself, first of all. Uh, absolutely, because... Because he ended up... So he allowed the jurors to find out... <laughs> So he he revealed to the jurors that he had a prior rape conviction, Mm. and he also, he introduced one of the golfers as a witness to the crime. So he handed the case over to the prosecution, and then he realized, oh shit, I screwed myself. Let's get the legal team back in here. Oh boy. Doesn't even matter, because in 1991, he was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to death. And rightfully so. Because when you bring in a witness to the crime that you did, which was brutally murdering mm-hmm. a woman in broad daylight, you're going to go to jail forever. Mm. Like, sorry. And what's so crazy about Daniel Webb is that this was not his only crime that oh, he had convicted. No. Oh, no, no, it was not. It wasn't. He had four, or he was free on bail. In four other cases yes. prior to this one. Now, I don't think we ever said, this is in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. So, he, like, around that area. Mm-hmm. He was on bail for four other cases. Sexual assault in Avon, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. The robbing and beating of a woman in a parking lot in East Hartford. Hmm. Hmm. A little, little familiar there. Sounds a little familiar. <laughs> And he was released on bail for that. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and then, to yeah, so to speak more on the, the parking garage case, um, just because it's so strikingly similar to what happened to Diane Gellenbeck minus the, the shooting and the murder, um, he was convicted where he, he abducted a woman from the Hartford Civic Center garage, and he raped and robbed her in Kenny Park, which is the same park that he had brought Diane to. Um, so with this sentence, he was... He received a four-year prison sentence and probation. So glad he got probation. That is so great for him. Yeah, so then he he leaves that and he goes to a similar parking garage and brings another woman to that very park. Yes. So it seems like he's a thing with parking garages. Yeah. Which sucks because in the 80s, I mean, there's no way there's cameras or anything. No, there's definitely not. No, and you're lucky if there's security. Oh my god. I mean, even now you go to a parking garage, you're lucky if there's cameras. It's terrifying. It's really scary. It's one of the worst places you can be as a woman alone at night. And it's sick because these these women, it was broad daylight. I mean, there's no... There's no... There's no excuse. Exactly. There's no excuse. And and the amount of victim blaming, well, you know, they they shouldn't have been alone and... It's noon. She's yeah. going to get her car. Give yeah. me a break. Come on. You, you're telling me that you're not allowed to walk Even to your if car. you're alone at 3 a.m. going to get your car. Like, you leave shouldn't be us alone. Yes. More cases that he was convicted of. Uh, two cases of bumping women's cars on the I-84. And then when the women stopped to check their car for damage, 
Webb would attack them and try to rape them. Very, very cool. Love that for him. Such a jerk. So he's not right. He's no, there's something wrong. Yeah, there's no. Uh, there's. He's, a he, he seems like a sick individual. Absolutely. So he was sentenced to death. Um, so, Liz, do you want to talk about the whole the whole thing with the Connecticut um, yes. ruling around the death penalty that he, re- that he had received? So, uh, in 2012, Connecticut abolished the death penalty. They cited it as a cruel and unusual punishment. Yes. And so the thing about this was that they abolished the death penalty for all future crimes that could be convicted for that. Daniel Webb, of course, was convicted of the death penalty in 1991. Mm -hmm. So this law didn't apply to him. And there was 11 other inmates on death row at this time in 2012. This did not sit right with Daniel Webb. He was mad that, I mean, I can't say I blame him for that part. Right. He was mad that everyone else who got sentenced after him, like after 2012, would not be killed. So he was so mad and he fought it. He said, and I quote, if you're going to abolish it, just abolish it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. So he, this time, he gathered legal representation and he fought to have that part being the future crimes part taken out and having it for all death row inmates. Don't know how he did it, but he did it. All 12, including him, of the inmates on death row in Connecticut, after, I think it was late August of 2012, they were like, yeah, I guess you're right. And they abolished the death penalty for everyone who was on death row. So essentially, he had his sentence, I think, commuted to life in prison. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he he fought that, and, I mean, he was re- resentenced to life in prison. He got his way. Yeah. Not to say that before that, in prison, he was a stand-up guy. Wasn't like he was earning good time. He was known for hmm, some stuff. Right. So um, I thought it was funny because his his family had written into the court and said, um, you know, he needs to be kept off the streets. He's a menace. He's dangerous. We're they so recognized sorry. that. Yeah, the family was like, we are so sorry for Diane Gillenbeck's family. I hope that his sentencing can bring her family peace and, mm-hmm. and that this serves justice. We need him off the streets. So his family even thought that he was a menace on the streets. And he... That says a lot. Yes. Yeah. And he, he really, his behavior did not turn around in prison. There's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a whole bunch did. of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. So really... One of the one of the first incidents that I was able to find, one of the most prevalent incidents mm-hmm. that I saw. Um, so on November 6th, 2009, um, there was a captain that had worked at the Northern Correctional Institution where Daniel Webb was. Mm-hmm. And so this captain had seen photos of women on Webb's cell wall. And so I, I wasn't able to find whether the photos were pornographic or anything. That was the argument, or, I guess. Right. But we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Yeah. So the captain had said these photos are offensive to the female staff working here. And Daniel Webb said, I don't see how they're offensive. So I'm not sure if they were pornographic. It, it seems like they were just photos of women, but this captain had felt as though they were offensive. Mm-hmm. So Daniel Webb was kind of arguing with one of the correctional officers. And while he was arguing, saying, I should be allowed to keep my pictures. I don't see how they're offensive. The captain had stormed in, mm-hmm. tore the photos down, and then later ripped them up and threw them away. Right. And this really pissed off Webb. And he said... 
I want my, my pictures returned to me or we're going to have problems. So the captain's name was Captain Cahill. Mm-hmm. And so after this, after Webb made that threat, Captain Cahill ordered Webb to be placed in full restraints for two weeks. And so um, if you want to imagine full restraints in a very high correctional facility, that means wrist restraints, ankle restraints, and he had a belly chain. So it, it makes right. it really hard to walk and really hard to move. Right. So... This also really, really pissed off Webb because not only did the captain go and rip off his pictures that he was trying to advocate for himself to keep up, yeah. he then had him restrained. So that was that was a huge issue. Absolutely. Um, and then Daniel Webb later went on to say this was cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. He ended up suing the state over this. And he also had a vendetta against this captain. Right. So now this puts us at Monday, March 30th, 2010. Oh, boy. Where... He was no longer restrained. Mm-hmm. Somehow they, there was debate as to why he was allowed to be moved Free. or transferred without restraints, even right. so much as um, the wrist shackles or the handcuffs. Um, he got near the captain and he, quote unquote, sucker punched the captain twice in the head. I shouldn't laugh. No, that's just sucker punches. Funny. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so, yeah, Webb was not shackled per protocol, and he was upset over, quote, unfair lack of privileges to inmates on death row. So this is kind of where he's he feels as though he's not only sticking up for himself, mm-hmm. he's sticking up for the other inmates on death row as well. Right. Um, so during this brawl, he was able to injure four <laughs> other staff as they were trying to restrain and subdue him. So he, Insane. yeah, a couple incidents. And yeah, so he really had a vendetta against this. <laughs> against <laughs> Captain Cahill. Yeah. And for truly a very small reason. It, yeah, so it kind of, I think it would speak to his temper. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was very quick to anger. And I I can see how I would be upset too, especially if I'm locked in prison. And I feel like sure. I, would be, I would have a short temper as well. I feel like yeah. a lot of small things would set me off. But, you know, it just, yeah, it just kind of speaks to... He, his, his temper, I guess. He had so many incidents like that. Mm-hmm. There's even one that happened after that that he claims that Cahill was disrespecting his sister. Yeah. Where is the merit? How does that naturally come about I don't, yeah, in yeah. prison when your sister isn't there? <laughs> like, I don't understand. And, you know, there was another incident in 2007 prior to that where he got into a fight with another death row inmate who mm. was still on death row, Adrian Peeler. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know speculated that Webb started the fight. Um, It took a lot of guards for them to break up the fight. And, of course, again, like in what you just mentioned, Webb was pepper sprayed, and he claims that it was unfair to him, cruel to him. Mm -hmm. A lot of poor me kind of attitude, which is, I mean, I guess I get it, like how he would feel that way, but... He is doing things that are terrible. He's setting, yeah, he, he seems to be setting people off and kind of getting instigating. a rise out of, instigating, exactly, uh, it's yeah. a good word to use. He, He's getting a really, rise out of people. He really likes it. I had one thing where it said that he attempted to hang himself in jail oh. in January of 2012. This was... I think just before they abolished the death penalty, but he did attempt to hang himself. Obviously it didn't work. He is still alive. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That's very interesting. Crazy stuff. Wow. Kind of like he kind of realized maybe all the thing, probably not. Yeah. Or he was just done. Or he was just done. He had so many 
things that he did, that kind of shows that he was just overall, there was something not right. There's something going on, yeah. I mean, just provoking, when he was hitting women with, with cars and, like, oh tapping their God. bumper and, and provoking them to attack them, just kind of, you can definitely tell he's an instigator. That's a good word to use, Liz. Oh, yeah. And there's another thing that I just thought this was crazy. In 1988, right, this is, um... Less than a year before he kills Diane. That's Gellerbeck. right. He is charged with running a wo- or forcing a woman's car off the road in New Britain, Connecticut, and he was released on bail that same month. I'm sorry, two months before he killed Diane Gellenbeck, and what he did for bail his is put up his father's storefront church for a $200,000 property bond. Oh my god. So you know that this man, he clearly is caring for himself. Absolutely. Whatever gets him out of the way, and he, no matter what anyone says, he is innocent. He is... It's not right that he got pepper sprayed. It's not right that, you know, he was part of death row and Mm -hmm. they abolished it. He still was on death row. Nothing that went, anything that went his, not his way, forget it. He was the victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's good that you bring that up because to this day, Webb still maintains his innocence. And there are a lot of people out there that, that do believe Daniel Webb is innocent, not only of the crime um, he committed with Diane Gallenbeck, but also his previous convictions. Um, like everything, they there are people who believe that he is completely and totally innocent, and that he did not commit any of these crimes, um, which is insane. It seems insane, given that the evidence that we see before us is pretty undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it's important to mention there have been a lot of cases where men, especially black men, have been wrongfully convicted. They've served years and years of prison before being released on innocence and it turns mm-hmm. out they weren't you know they, they didn't do the crime and then how many black men have been convicted of the death penalty and executed before yeah. finding that they're innocent but I I feel like with this case the evidence is pretty undeniable that Daniel Webb did all of these things especially killing Diane Gellenbeck with all those witnesses yeah in broad daylight and his family even wrote into the court but I yeah I, I thought that was important to bring up just because there are people out there that think that he's innocent. Of course. And, you know, with current times, you know, in 2021, we shouldn't be saying that people are killed because of their race. Mm-hmm. Because you'd think by now, America would have gotten their shit together. However. <laughs> However, you know, as yeah. we're a month, like this month is a year since George Floyd was killed. And, right. you know, with all of that being in the news and the protests and everything, we definitely want to address that. We did not choose this case because he is a black man. In fact, we have a list of all the cases that we find and come up with, and we put them just like in a spreadsheet. And then we say, want to do this one? Want to do this one? Yeah. Let's do this one. It has nothing to do... I didn't even know he was black when I was like, oh, there's a guy in Connecticut who had one victim. This, okay, right, cool. this crazy yeah. crime that he had committed in broad daylight. That was right. that was what was attracted us to this case was that it was so wild and that he had a similar conviction that was so strikingly similar to this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was just it was a crazy case to cover. So we just we wanted to make that 
we wanted to bring that up because I think it's an essential part of the case. For sure. And, you know, we'll definitely be covering plenty of cases where the perpetrator is white. Mm -hmm. It's, there's no, in our podcast, there's no distinguishment of color or race. It's, we talk about the crime. Unfortunately, in cases like this, you know, Diane was white. Mm -hmm. Daniel was black. It's just one of those things where it happens. It's going to happen again. Yeah, and the media too kind of, especially given that it was 1989 in Connecticut, the media did kind of emphasize that as well, that she was a white woman and he was a black man. Right. So the media did have a play in how that case was covered too, which also was unfair, I think. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Webb, like we said, he did use that in his arguments that he was being convicted because he was a black man. Yeah. In this case, I don't believe that to be true. I think, yeah. Especially because he murdered someone in broad daylight. Yeah. But it should be said and Mm -hmm. mentioned that these things happen and race shouldn't be a part of it, but is sometimes. In short, this case, very brief, because it's so hard to find information, Um, but that is the murder of... Diane Gellenbeck. By the hands of Daniel Webb. Who is a sick motherfucker. Yeah. Terrible stuff. And I think we should also talk about, um, just real quick, like I mentioned, the way we choose our cases. So we have a very high-tech Google Sheets (laughs) uh, of all the cases. And what we did was you had a whole bunch, I had a whole bunch like in Mm -hmm. our notes on our phone. Right. And we just went... Okay, put them all in here. And then, you know, every time we hear about something, we're like, just add it to the list. Now, this is where we call to action and say, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Both are at truecrimene. All lowercase. All lowercase. If you want to, and we invite this. I tell all my friends when I tell them that we have a podcast, I say, if you have a story yeah. from your hometown in New England, of course, or you know something like you had a friend's cousin's hamster's brother, whatever, and it's this, tell us. Yeah. Because we want to hear it and we'll tell it for you. We'll give you credit, of course. And if you want it, some people don't. Um, we will cover that. We will talk about it. No, it does not have to be murder. We invite other crimes as well. Yeah. Anything true crime, anything... That happened in New England. That's true crime related. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. The problem with me is, is that when I contributed to the list, say I contributed 20, 19 of them were murder. (laughs) I have a problem. But that being said, hauntings, abductions, plane disasters. Yeah. Disasters, sinkholes. Sinkholes. New Hampshire has some sinkholes. Weird. We want to hear about it. Yeah. So if you do have a story, you can also email us at truecrimene at gmail.com. Email us. Tell us. We will cover it. We'll do some more research on top of what you give us. Yeah. Give you credit if you want it. Not everyone wants to be connected to a case. Totally fine. I personally don't mind because I have no will to live, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But... We want to hear it regardless. Right. We want to hear it. And, and if you just want to tell us and you don't want us to cover it too, mention that because we would yeah. still love to hear it regardless yeah. of whether or not you'd like us to cover it on here. We don't have to talk about it on here with everybody if you don't want to. But no, no. We would both be very intrigued <laughs> to hear these things, especially if 
it's kind of, as we talked about in the first episode, a hometown. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's close to you. Yes. And, you know, these small towns in, in New England have some shit going down. So oh, my God. We'd love to hear about it. And I'll say this every episode. My hometown is so close to my heart that I love hearing cases where other people have it close to their heart. Like, yeah. they want to bring awareness because I want to bring awareness, too. I love that. So if you just want to chat with us and tell us, please, I talk about true two things. True crime and nursing. That's it. I don't have any hobbies at all. Well, to be fair, I did recently start playing The Sims again. That was a great choice. (laughs) In between studying for my boards and doing this and crying, I have been (laughs) playing The Sims. I love it every second. So if you have stories, Sims 3 hacks that you want to tell me, (laughs) or just general... I mean, reviews or we will take criticisms, questions. I know it's very obvious. I said absolutely like four times. (laughs) But better though, we did better. better. I have never said the word absolutely before this, like that day. No, in my life. (laughs) It wasn't even a part of my vocabulary. And suddenly we're like, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway. Right. But as we, as we mentioned, we're still learning and, you know, we're still kind of getting, getting into the swing of things. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your patience with us. Absolutely. If you want to keep following as we get into our groove and it'll be smoother for you guys too as listeners. Oh, for sure. And I'll get better at editing and (laughs) who knows, maybe someday... I don't know. I was going to say we'll get better microphones. The fact that we have microphones is amazing. No, that was, very, that was a very high-tech purchase. So just so you guys know, we do have microphones, not to brag. But anyway, enough of that. Enough about me. Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. And we'll see you next week with episode three. Bye. Bye. Bye.